Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Journal Podcasts. This podcast contains recording from the News Hour at Beaver Congress 2022. So next up is Luis Rubio Martinez, who's going to review some uh, studies in the field of equine sports medicine. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you. Um, good morning, everyone. And thank you. I would like to thank Viva for inviting me to present. So I'm gonna. Uh, I went through um, those journals, uh, and then I looked back in the last year. But I went back a little bit further because I just tried to really pick some uh, topics that I thought they were hot in the news in the sports medicine. So I put uh, actually five, four hot topics. I had a fifth one, but I, um, I removed that. I didn't change that on the slide. So I put some papers together for each of those, and it's going to be the first, joint lubrication, second, pain in the neck, third, new pain modulators, and then fourth, think outside the box. If you go for the uh, first one, it is joint lubrication. So the joint lubrication, I think um, this drug, the polyacrylamide hydrogel, is in use in clinical practice. And in my experience, I can see that the use of this drug has exponentially, exponentially gone high up. And I can see there, you can see two papers. The most recent one is the one where they see that there is um, increased lubrication in the cartilage in the joints and then I had to go back to get another paper where they compare the use of this to the other use more um, known to us uh, conventionally that is the tramcinolone and they saw there was an improvement in the use of this drug compared to the tramcinolone in those race horses and as we all know this drug is um, artramid so there is limited evidence, but I do think that there is a high use of this drug. And I wanted to ask you, how many of you do you use this drug? If you could raise your hands. How many of you have increased the use of this drug over the last year? We cannot see very well. How many of you are satisfied with the clinical results? can't really see it, to be honest. And how many of you will continue using it? From what I can see, I can only see actually this corner here, but uh, uh, I, I think uh, this drug is in use and um, the use is increased. And it's one of the situations where we're using that and we have anecdotal reports of uh, good and success outcomes, or I guess we use that in horses where um, they are not responding as well as we would like but we tend to see some response and it's up to us and our um, friends and colleagues to decide. And it's an example of a drug that is being used a lot. And then I think the research is a little bit behind. So I think with time, and I hope with time, more papers will come out to describe the effects and the effectiveness of this drug. Moving to the second uh, point, the hot topic in sports medicine, I thought it was pain in the neck. So we all know, and we've been dealing with uh, uh, neck pain in horses for quite a few years, and we are quite familiar with um, arthropathy in the caudal uh, or in the neck facet joints. And then we are quite familiar with the lateral lateral x-ray image that we have here on the left of the slide, that we can see how there is an increase in the size and the change in the opacity of the C6, uh, C7 in that. There. 
And for the last few years, well, for a number of years now, but now with the advent of new cities, as Anna Marie also showed, we've increased the, um, our uh, um, availability, the ability of these cities, and uh, we can now image more caudally in the neck, and we can do a better diagnosis of the pathologies there. And we can see in these images how the enlargement of the facet joint is causing ventral enlargement into what is the intervertebral foramen, that is where the nerve root comes out. So there's a compression at this site, and that's been recognized since the use of the CT. This has been recognized in humans. And in humans, it's been shown that in 50% of patients with neck pain, the origin of that neck pain is not just the joint, but it's a mixture of neuropathic and um, non-neuropathic pain. So that, those nerve roots are playing a role there in the pain in the neck in people. And then uh, in humans, the ultrasound-guided cervical spinal nerve root injections has been developed for a number of years and is common use and is done with anesthetic agents and also corticosteroids. I think this has evolved in, the, um, in horses over the last couple of years. And in humans, the basis for that is that the, those perineural injections have been shown to reduce the inflammation the nociception directly on the neuronal, neuronal um, membranes and also reduce the synthesis of pain-mediating neuropeptides. They've seen that even if the um, injection is not put right there next to the joint by close to that, there is apparently a phenomenon where there is a hydrostatic pressure and osmotic effects that cause absorption of the drug into the area of the lesion in the nerve root. And also there is an intercellular fluid flow that uh, enhances the spread of the solution towards the central lesion. So there is evidence in the humans that these nerve, um, perineural injections cause improvement. There are these three papers that uh, I don't think any of those have been published in the last year, but um, those have been published in the last couple of years. And uh, there is one um, from the group in, in Lipuk. There's one from um, Louisiana State, and there's another one from um, the continent Europe, and they've described the injection of the nerve roots in horses. So this is another um, practice that I think has increased in sports medicine, and we do nowadays more often. So here we have, in this left image, this is taken from the group in Lipuk, and this is a transverse view. We have here the uh, facet, um, process, and this is proximal to the right and the ventral to the left. And we have here the nerve root and the um, and the um, nerve and the, and the artery, the vertebral artery that you have as a landmark, and you inject there. Recently, uh, the most recent paper where they've described another approach, rather than being transverse, they put the probe um, longitudinal parallel to the transverse process, and then they moved it um, transducer proximally and a little bit caudally, finding the intervertebral foramen and they approach the nerve this way with the needle to inject next to the nerve root. And then there is another paper where they've described the innervation of the medial and dorsal branches of the nerve root. So those branches here are the ventral roots that are um, the ones that are considered to be um, taking the pain for lower neck and also in, involved in the uh, forelimbs. 
and here the, vent, the medial and the dorsal nerve roots or branches are more um, related to the facet joints. So all these papers have this, um, described the use and on how to inject peroneurally into those nerve roots. We have here images taken from those papers where in this paper the joint was involved and um, injected. And here we see another one where the nerve root was injected and we can see the contrast material that was injected in that cadaver to see that it's just going around the nerve root as well as here. We can see here how closely related those are to the joint to the nerve root. So I guess there is also a potential in some horses that we see and we medicate the nerve and the joints. Um, there is also potentially an effect towards the nerve root that is uh, close by, but uh, in some horses it might be worth uh, medicating the nerve roots if there is compression, especially if that's been shown on 3D imaging. This is another paper, a recent paper that came out of Berlin, and this is an experimental study in cadaver necks. I think this is quite uh, interesting and novel. Obviously, is not ready to be used in clinical practice, but potentially could be something that hopefully will develop and evolve in practice in the years, hopefully, or maybe. So what they are doing there is a CT, a standing CT, obviously standing, but only have the, the spinal neck there by now. So here we have is that they do CTs in the different extensions and flexions, and then you can see a 3D imaging or the functionality and movement of those joints, and you can see if there is also potential impingement or decrease in the size of the intervertebral foramen in those sites. And the next that moves, uh, we're going to move on to the uh, third hot topic that I thought, that is the use of uh, new pain modulators. So cannabinoid receptors in horses, that uh, the use of cannabis, uh, species of cannabis uh, in, in humans goes back to over 1,000 years. And uh, that um, is being, uh, is developed uh, an interest in equine to and other species as well, to see if those receptors are also present in horses that potentially could be used in future to manage painful conditions. So these are two papers where they've um, investigated the presence of those cannabinoid receptors in uh, joints horses. So these are and also in another one in the nerve roots in the cervical neck. Here what we can see on this paper from Montreal, here we have these two, in this slide on the left, these are normal um, synovial membrane. And here we have synovitis cases where we can see all those brown dots are cannabinoid receptors. And we can see how the presence of that is multiplied and going high, really high in the presence of inflammation. So that tells us that the use of cannabinoid um, drugs potentially will have an effect on these horses suffering from synovitis. And here there is another um, paper where they describe an, uh, the presence of those receptors in the neurons in the nerve roots. So that's potential for medication of those areas with those cannabinoid um, substances. What do they do? So they actually act on the modulation of the immune system the cytokine release 
uh, uh, the cell membrane uh, stability and they cause or they have an effect of analgesia. So there can be uh, drugs that could potentially be useful in the treatment of pain uh, that is uh, neurogenic or caused from the joints or other tissues in the body. And finally, uh, this is the last point, that is the thing outside the box. And this is a paper that has come from the REC and uh, in collaboration with uh, other centers, Rosdale's, um, uh, Lipuk, Tower Equine. And um, so what they, they reviewed horses that came with refractures over a number of years, and there were 73, hor 73 horses. So what they found is that out of those 73, 41, they had resistance to read and work and poor performance, and in 46, 7, there was lameness. Out of those 47, 40, uh, 24 were considered uh, to be related to the refracture. However, in that paper, there was no diagnostic anesthesia being performed. Overall, those horses were followed, and 51 of those horses returned to previous level of use. So I think this paper is, um, is good in terms of making us think about outside the box. So we've always said and that lameness, lameness can cause back pain, but I think we now need to think that it could be some other conditions in the axial skeleton or even the ribs that can cause lameness. And just, uh, uh, this is not a case published, but uh, just um, anecdotally, we had a case last year, that is a two-year-old, thoroughbred um, racehorse that became suddenly lame. Um, there was nothing on the hind limb. There was nothing on the hind limbs to indicate there was a problem there. There was um, the referring vet had done a high four-point block that was negative and then didn't improve after rest and came with this lameness. So the horse underwent um, gamma scintigraphy, and we identified this focal spot of uptake in the last rib, and we can see how the course of the right 18th rib is abnormal and is um, um, going towards and uh, touching the 17th rib. And on the ultrasound, we saw there was a fracture. So uh, there was nothing on clinical exam. We decided to block around the rib. Fracture site. and the lameness improved markedly. So I think that paper um, that I presented um, is a good paper for us to think outside the box and just think that um, there is not only lamenesses coming from limbs, there is other areas in the body that can be associated and implicated in the development of lameness. And in this case, for example, what we can see is that there are all these muscles that are protracting the hind limb that are actually originating from the last ribs where the fracture was that potentially that was explaining why it was causing the lameness. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Lewis.
listening to this Equine Veterinary Channel podcast. More about the subjects discussed today can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash evj.